0: everybody. Welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana.
1: And I'm Dan Urban. You can follow me at TheDanUrban. You can follow the podcast at Couchside Judges, and you can subscribe wherever you listen. And if you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review. And we talk judging in MMA, so you should learn the criteria. You can find it at abcboxing.com. And we made it through. Yes, we did.
0: We 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 made it to the other side of the tunnel, uh, with regard to our return to Texas.
1: We made it through, and it was. They, a they, rough they ride. I believe,
0: it was the WWF who said there's no way out of Texas. Correct? Isn't that one of the pay per views of the '90s? There was definitely a no way out. I don't know if it was in Texas or not. I think I think there was a no way out of Texas, and then there was no way out. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Back from when I used to watch. So we're talking what twenty. 20- Four or five yeah. years ago. I have no idea how long. Um it was
1: a rough road, though.
0: I don't know about that
1: one. It was a rough road to get to the other side of Texas.
0: Oh, 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 I see what you're saying. I thought we were yes. talking about more pay-per-views. Anyway, oh, no, no, back no. to this pay-per-view, which is the uh, the UFC 262. And we did, in fact, like you said, got through uh, here. It was a little rough, though. We had, we had a little bit of, uh, of rockiness, like you're saying. Um, before we even get into the judging, real quick. Let's talk about what happened in the main event. We've got a new UFC
1: lightweight champion. Amazing. Charles Oliveira, he's been on a tear. And I'm, real quick, I am shocked that the fight ended in round two because we both predicted it to end in round two. And normally that doesn't happen.
0: What What did we exactly predict? I actually forget what my prediction was. I know it was round two. I remember you, that.
1: You were Chandler TKO round two. I was Oliveira sub round two. Okay. And then we figured, all right, it's definitely not going to end in round two.
0: You know, it's funny that I predicted Chandler because like... It's probably the only time in the last several days that I thought to myself, oh, I think Chandler's going to win. <laughs> Every other time, I'm like, oh, obviously, Oliver's going to win. <laughs> and obviously, now I sound like a like a hypocrite. Like, I'm just changing my story. And, and you know, I, if it's on tape, it is on tape. But, like, I don't know. I must have just blanked on it when we did that. And then to, forever thing evolving and then, and then I just moved on with my life as if I never did.
1: <laughs> it's forever evolving.
0: Yeah, obviously. Um, never admit you're wrong.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he looked...
0: He looked- I don't even subscribe to that. That's not even how I do things.
1: <laughs> but he, he did look good uh, when he wasn't getting beaten up.
0: I mean, he sure did. Uh, that was that was a really strong first round, uh, which we will get to in a moment because there's a judging aspect to this one. But um, it, obviously he lost a, an amazing comeback by Oliveira. I think that just it encapsulates the type of champion that he uh, has been in his life in, in just overcoming the odds and, and being able to get through adversity and come out the other side and, and be stronger for it. So, you know, I, I'm, he's just an impressive individual. I think no matter what Charles Oliveira is a very impressive individual, a, a, a wonderful representative of martial arts on the greatest stage. So uh, I'm happy for him.
1: Yeah, he's great. I mean, he's been around forever and he's still young and he might be champ for a little bit.
0: Oh uh, yeah. It's like he, he's been around forever, but he's also four years younger than you and I. <laughs> And I and like I I believe I said this on the the last show, but I've been saying it a bunch. That I did get to see his his UFC debut eleven years ago. That was really cool to kind of be yes, there for.
1: Yeah, it's awesome that you showed up uh, on time to that event. I go to the prelims if I have a ticket or if I am in a media capacity. You should. Everyone should. I mean, if if you don't show up to the prelims, you should forfeit your ticket to the people who actually did.
0: I will say there was one time that the UFC was in town. Uh, they were in Newark, and then I don't think I got to go to Sun. I think I missed some of the prelims, but I had another work engagement. So I, I mean, really
1: if you were know really at Dino Barbecue, it. that's understandable. But, uh, Ooh, then...
0: I've never been to Dino Barbecue in Newark. I, I every time I'm around there, I'm like, I really want to go. But I also haven't been to Newark in many years, so
1: it's not the know. greatest place to go. But... It's not fun, but hey. it's not
0: terrible. There's, there's parts of Newark that are very nice.
1: Uh, okay,
0: it's true. The cherry blossoms are there. My wife took the kids, and then that's always nice.
1: Do you know cherry blossoms are very prominent in tattoo culture? I did not. I just watched Ink Master, and they're like, "Oh, we're going to do cherry blossoms." Was
0: not aware. I, I, oh, as okay. you know, sir, I have no ink. Uh, I know you do. I do not. But so, Dan. So now, what do we have here with with Oliveira? I mean, we have a champion, but is he the number one lightweight? I think that's the big question. That that and, and I and I actually kind of opined on that in, in my first uh, New York Post column about that. What do you think? I he's got the belt. I think he is. I disagree. I don't think he's number one, and I'll tell you why. It's because he didn't beat the ch- the the number one guy. It's not the champ, of course, but everyone agrees that Dustin Poirier was number one.
1: Yeah, but he chose the money fight over the belt, so... and that's fine. But I don't think we have
0: a number one here. Is the problem? I think we have a champion who needs to beat Poirier, probably.
1: Ah, what what happens when or if Connor beats Poirier? Then at that point, I would look at Connor as, as essentially the number one guy. Wow, ah, you're just overlooking Charles. Being I like just Charles think Charles
0: yeah. to be in charge needs to uh, win one more of our days. The, the man's been on a finish streak of no. He's fantastic. Again, I, 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 I just heaped praise on the guy. But I'm just telling you, I think I think this is the fight. That how often do you see number three versus number four and be like, well, this is obviously the champion. I think is uh, he's the champ. He got to be the champ. I just, I just disagree, and it, yeah, is what it is. These were the two guys that Dana White even admitted were available. I don't think that's a title fight. I'm just, I'm not saying that that's the... It's a title fight, but it's not the fight for number one. I'm just saying.
1: Let's say Khabib comes back and Alvarez beats him. Is he number one? Oh, heck yeah. Khabib's number one. He's the lineal champion. All right. So there we go. Alvarez will probably... Give Khabib the best chance, the best run of anyone. He probably wouldn't win, but give that, him the best run. I would.
0: Uh, I wish we could see that. And I, that's the I don't fight don't I want to see. I do think Khabib is see. ever coming back. Khabib is done, and and I don't even want to try and talk like he's going to be coming back because the man seems pretty content.
1: I'm going to give him a call and ask him to fight Charles for me. Ask him uh, to send location. I will. I'll send it. do it in my backyard. So what do we do with Chandler, though? Gaethje, that's the only answer. I don't hate that at all. That would be fantastic. That that would be a awesome fight, and that. that will be about four minutes of amazingness. Yep, and I don't think there's another answer. Yeah,
0: all right, works for me. Moving on <laughs> to uh, <laughs> to actually the first round of this fight, like we alluded to, is it, there is a judging aspect to this because the first round, like we said, was a very big round for Chandler that Oliver was able to come back from, uh, and it was so big that we had two judges, Sal D'Amato and Chris Lee, give a ten eight to Michael Chandler, we haven't seen as many 10 8s of late, it's at least just a little less frequently than we had been. So, to see two out of three go a 10 8 in this particular round, I found surprising. Um, but not I'm not as riled up as some other people. There's some people who are like, This is crazy! Like Daniel Cormier was mad about this. Like, people are offended by the idea of this being uh, a 10 8 here. Marcos Rosales, I should also say, he was the one who went 10 9 here. what do you think, sir?
1: I think they shouldn't be that upset because their whole argument is well, Oliveira had some good offense, but just because he had some good offense doesn't mean Chandler can't get an eight.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, They're not mutually exclusive ideas.
1: So I think that's the flaw in their argument of why. Uh, with that said, I still think it was a ten nine.
0: I mean, I completely agree that this is a ten nine, at least in my uh, opinion. But you know, I, I was I was actually speaking with uh, a, a judge earlier uh in the day and uh, they they kind of you know, essentially they agreed with a lot of the things i was saying about the fact that you can make an argument for this being a 10-8 absolutely it's mm-hmm. you know you can you can assess it in a different way but uh it, there there are certainly grounds in the criteria to stand on and i'll even highlight the passage that was highlighted to me in the criteria is judges must consider all caps uh giving the score of 10-8 when a fighter impacts all caps their opponent significantly in a round even though they do not dominate the action. Effectiveness in striking or grappling which leads to a diminishing of a fighter's energy, confidence, abilities, and spirit. All of these come as a direct result of negative impact. When a fighter is hurt with strikes showing a lack of control or ability these can be defining moments in the fight. If a judge sees that a fighter has been significantly damaged in the round the judge should consider all caps the score
1: of 10-8. Do we think that that standard can be met? It can. I don't think it did, in my opinion, but I I could see someone thinking it did. Absolutely,
0: and that's kind of where I sit. I, I didn't go that far. I didn't have as much information because I'm sitting at home watching on my couch uh, or in my, my little chair here. But to sit there from everybody's home and be like, you can't give a 10-8 in this one. It's crazy. It's like, well, no. There's actually written words that support that.
1: I mean, you're just scrolling through social media. There's just a bunch of people saying what it, you know, what they think it is. And, oh, oh, my understanding was this. My understanding was that. And it's just so far off base. And you're like, maybe I should jump in here. But then you're like, nah, I got better things to do. If there's a reason to be mad about anything with
0: regard to, you know, the passages that I read or the idea that this could be a 10-8, that kind of thing, is the fact that there it's left too vague in that judges must consider, should consider. These are kind of wishy-washy things. It's not – like it it needs to be just a little more cut and dried, I think, to make it – and I I understand why there's some flexibility there. But also, when you do things like this, you leave everything up for debate anyway.
1: Well, yeah. Well, here's my thing. As I think Oliveira was definitely hurt, I don't think he was hurt as bad as the broadcast made it seem. I thought he was I don't sh- know man. I he thought looked, he was he with looked
0: it kind of not okay, especially in that second one. And he was definitely mm-hmm. stung in the first one that ended up getting him into a, you know, a guillotine that looked pretty darn close for a brief moment. I'm
1: uh, I'm talking about the second one. When sure. he, when he's on the ground and he's shimmying his head back and forth, there's intelligent defense there, but that doesn't mean he's not hurt. I I'm I'm not saying he wasn't hurt. I don't think he was as hurt as it was made out that he was. I think he was I think he was okay there. Sure,
0: but even at that, like you have the people on the broadcast. Someone like Daniel Cormier being like, "No, he's this can't be a ten and he's thinking <laughs> he's hurt bad. You know,
1: that's true too. Yeah, well, so. that's because. But but again, that his reasoning is because Oliveira had high spots.
0: Yeah, that's that's the thing. I think people just want it to be a total beat down, like a lopsided round. And shoot, I mean, if that's what it, if that's what the people want. I mean, maybe that's just what the next reconsideration of the criteria needs to be. I think whatever it is, it just needs to be much more defined so that we don't have this kind of loosey goosey terms of like should uh, consider It's like it it should just be or not be. I think that's the main issue is the criteria at times is just a little too, you know, loose with with things. And that, again, will just essentially leave judges out there to hang because they can go one way or the other. And it's like, I mean, in some ways it kind of protects them, I think, but in the same time, it also leaves it. It's like, all you're doing is being able to define it to, I guess, the people who matter most, which are the, the, the commissions and that kind of thing. But then it comes down to the, everybody watching at home. We all have, uh, are, you know, emotions invested in this kind of thing. And, you know, it really should be a little easier for people to understand. I think so. When we when we get people who can't read the nuance of that, which is true. I mean, the people just they're not reading the nuance of of the criteria here. Most people just don't read it. Period. Uh, but I think stronger language is needed.
1: So, are you saying something more like along the lines of boxing? Oh, knockdowns and auto ten no, eight?
0: No, no, no. I wouldn't say that. I don't like that idea at all either. I just think if, if it should be a case where like so if if it says judges must consider giving the ten eight to a fighter. When a fighter impacts their opponent significantly in a round, even though they do not dominate the action. How about just judges must give the score of a 10-8 when a fighter comp-
1: just get rid of the must consider. But what if they don't think it impacted them that far? Well, that's fine. OK, kind of thinking. At least the, the language both, will be a lot uh, more sturdy. Yeah, so I, th- I like I like the must consider portion being removed when it's saying, you know, when two of these are achieved, they must consider it. But when three, sure, yeah, I, I think that. Where I would, I would rather be, conc- you know, made it more concrete. No,
0: I and and I'm, I don't disagree there either. I just think all the language needs to be a lot more, um, firm. Period. Maybe it will be. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah. I, I but uh, I think both of us, like we said, just to kind of wrap this up, we both saw this as a Chandler 10-9. Correct. Yep. We see the case for the 10-8. We understand it. We don't think it's a big issue. Um, you know, Chris Lee and Sal D'Amato are two of the most veteran judges we have. Sal works every event, like literally every UFC event he is on. Um, if he says it's a 10, eight, I tend to trust him. I'm good with it. But for what it's worth, it's a couchside override. <laughs> so we sided with uh, Marcos Rosales here. Um, but let's move on to the, this was the score that got everybody riled up in, including you and I, sir. Um, and this was the split decision victory for Lando Venata over Mike Grundy. Venata got scores of 30-27 and 29-28. And Grundy got a score of 30-27. to Patrick thirty to 27,
1: 30 to 27 for gracious. Grundy.
0: 30-27 for Venata. And the 29-28 for Venata. Just to put that to you again. We had opposing 30-27s. And sometimes that happens, right? And sometimes when it happens, it makes sense. Does it make sense here? No. No, it doesn't. This, I agree.
1: This was terrible.
0: This is not a good uh scorecard turned in uh by uh local judge Patrick Patlin I mean, to yeah. give 3027 to Mike Grundy. I don't see this at all. And we're gonna break down all three rounds just to, to illustrate why. Let's start with round one. This looked to me like probably the most solid vanata round of all of them. Would you disagree?
1: This was just a like all Venata. I mean Grundy did nothing but fail to take him down.
0: He succeeded in two takedowns that did nothing. They were not effective. That I wouldn't qualify that as very effective grappling. It was on the whole, it was bad. I mean, he did. and and he's landing very few actual strikes. Meanwhile, Vanata is, you know, I wouldn't say he's landing anything fight changing, but he's definitely landing effectively. He
1: was the one. He was landing his shots. They're solid. Yeah, Grundy didn't. I I don't know how you give this round to him. This
0: is there's there's just not a, a very strong argument in the criteria for this one. I don't know what Patlin said to the uh, the commission officials in the, in the postmortem, which I assume they do in Texas. I don't actually know that um, most places do, but Texas is different. So who knows? Um, I, I would love to have been a fly on the wall to know why Patrick Patlin saw this round in particular for Grundy, because there's just not a lot of ground to stand on. There just isn't. It's a bad score. It is a bad score. Probably the worst I, I, I've seen in a real long time. It's definitely one of the worst that I can think of in the last year. Really, probably since we started doing the show. It's poor. It's not good at all. Um, the the other two judges, of course, who saw this the right way, Chris Lee and Marcos Rosale. So, you know, good job on them. And, they're better judges. We don't they say say what they're doing. Usually we don't even say it that way.
1: But that is the right way. Yeah. It's just so, the right
0: way. and It is. And, you know. You have to be, we, I think what we try to do is we try to be as measured as we can. We try to say, okay, let's look at it from the perspective of what the other way is. Like, is there a reason that we can do that? Can we, can we see why a judge would do that and be able to stand on the criteria here? I can't see it. I just don't period. It's a bad score. It, it, that's what it is.
1: Yep. Bad score.
0: And I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't want to sit here and call for people's heads. I don't think that's our job. Um, someone else can decide that, but this is a bad score and I think it needs to be answered for. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's more training or or what, I don't know. I, maybe maybe just a conversation can help him straighten him out for the next time that Patrick Patlin uh, is a judge. I know he does a lot of refing in Texas, or at least some some refing. Um, so maybe that's just where he's more comfortable, and maybe they shouldn't be putting him in the chair. Maybe he should be putting him in the cage.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, we saw plenty of that judging and refing. Yeah, double duty uh, in Texas
0: made no sense for a UFC event. Like, if you're gonna do that on the local shows, totally get it. Like these guys need, they need experience. There's probably just not as many officials they're comfortable using. I'm speculating here, um, but you can do that, of course, on those situations, or, you know, let's say somebody falls out, you know, someone, maybe they're, maybe they're short staffed or something like that. You had plenty of officials in Houston on Saturday night. There is no reason at all to be having anyone like Jeff Rex road or Jacob Montalvo and Carrie Hatley or Carrie Hatley pulling double duty. It just, I mean, Kerry Hadley was only assigned to one fight. Like, why'd you bother? It's just so. Why weird. would you bother putting him on there? So silly. It doesn't make any sense. It, it's it, it at the UFC level. Just don't do it. it. Don't do it. But anyway, back to this fight though. Round two. This was the round that I think most people actually really thought was, was
1: close enough to go to Grundy, right? This was the only round you can make an argument for Grundy. Mm-hmm. He, he knocked Venata's head back a few times. But I still think Venata landed much better. I think he did, too. Well, I don't know that he landed much better. I think I think the
0: fact that Grundy landed, I, w- I want to say probably like the two best strikes of this round. Right. Would you Would you disagree? No. OK, so I, let's say he landed the two best strikes of this round. Just we'll, we'll, we'll treat that as gospel, whether it is or not. But he didn't really do anything else. That was it. It's like the whole argument is he landed two strikes that were solidly better than anything Venata landed. But Venata landed more frequently and he still landed solid throughout the round. He was a better striker overall, better offensive fighter. You have to weigh the immediate impact of the strikes. And that is the one reason why you can say Grundy gets the round is because the immediate impact was bigger. But I just don't know that it was bigger enough to make up for the volume disparity. That's the problem. I have. That's why I went with the Nata here, uh, just like you. Um, Marcos Rosales saw it that way. Actually, it was uh, Patrick Patlin. Again, he saw every round for for Grundy. But this was the one that Chris Lee saw his way to. Uh, I have no problem with that.
1: I don't hate but, it.
0: No, I, I really just don't have a big issue with it because it, it comes down to, uh, you know, the impact, immediate impact on low volume versus the maybe lesser impact, but higher volume. And that's always an argument that I think it's kind of hard to to really come up with a, a solid, correct answer for. It's it's going to be kind of the eye of the holder.
1: It's a defensible score.
0: Absolutely. So. 100%. So, but, uh, but nonetheless, you and I both saw it the same way as Marcos Rosales. And that is what?
1: A couchside override.
0: <laughs> Boom. And round three. Again, Patrick Padlin on an island by himself here, uh, seeing this for Grundy. I don't think this was, to the degree of round one, indefensible, but I think it's a really hard one to defend, too.
1: I mean, Grundy almost had a decent grappling position to be considered effective. But almost. But he, he didn't. He had, it like, an, a, like, a front headlock standing against a cage doing nothing with it for... I don't even know how many, how long it was. Basically, running out the clock. But Venanda, once he separated and at distance, he's landing much better.
0: It's. I will say this for for Grundy. He is more offensive with his strikes. Like he he's actually throwing a lot more often, and I think he is landing more often. But I think he's also not landing as much as it looks like.
1: I Think he missed a bit.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I think that's the main issue that I have. But I will allow for the fact that potentially from Patrick Patlin's. Vantage point, maybe it looks like they're landing. Maybe he hears something that we don't. I, I think you have to allow for that. So that's why I'm not going to crucify him for this one.
1: Now, he's already been crucified. You can't crucify a <laughs> guy twice. So, well, I mean, I, he's on my list for round one. So that's just bad.
0: That round one, it's it's an indefensible score. I'm sorry. I, I really, if, if a judge wants to contact me, someone who knows the criteria, knows what they're doing with this type of stuff and explain to me why round one makes sense, I am open to it because I am not trained. Neither of us are trained. We're amateurs. We we speak to officials, as we say all the time, but we're still untrained amateurs. So if someone wants to explain why maybe there's something we don't know, please let us know. But as it stands, I think I know well enough to understand that this really is not a defensible round one score. Round three, I guess I can understand it, but I mean, it's really hard to see.
1: I don't see it. Yeah, I,
0: I think it's very, it's it really ought to be of an at around here. Chris Lee saw it that way. Marcos Rosales saw it that way. Patrick Patlin did not. Um, Hey, I'll pose this to you, though. Just imagine that Patlin's scorecard was 29 28 for Grundy and he gave rounds two and three, though. Are we that mad about this? Probably not. I don't think so. I think it's the fact that round one is just like beyond the pale. It's just crazy. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Um, But hopefully they don't have to go back to Texas for a while because I just saw uh, Las Vegas has lifted a lot of their. Uh, restrictions.
1: Yeah, finally removing with, those with regard to stupid. mass and
0: social distancing and that kind of thing. Yeah. So maybe they'll just, you know, maybe they'll go to T Mobile Arena a lot more. Yeah. Which is fine with me. Whatever. Just just get the right get the right men and women in the chairs, please.
1: Please. Please.
0: <laughs> anyway, that, that that was it for the uh oh, the the hell card. We do have of course other scorecards to discuss. Uh let, let's start with Edson Barboza, who got of course uh, the Fight of the night victory over Shane Burgos. What a fantastic fight that was! Great, fight. totally lived up to my expectations of, of what I was expecting going in, and and, and totally delivered from an action standpoint. Uh, until Burgos' body couldn't take anymore, and uh, he just kind of couldn't move anymore. Right?
1: It was it. it, it, it he wanted to, but he just body didn't let him.
0: He did, I, and actually, I I spoke to him very briefly. Um, uh, chat. Darn text last night. I got one text back from him. Uh, he said he's 100 percent fine. Uh, just a freak shot that shut my legs off. Slowly got scans and everything came back normal. Remember the whole thing. So that's always good to hear, that's right? Good to hear. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, it, that's a very weird one. It was weird to watch. Uh, his body just kind of said, "I'm done." Yeah, that's his. Uh, I'm and, done. And he was like, "What? What's going on here?" That <laughs> um, you know. Ho- hopefully, uh, hopefully he bounces back. Like he said, he's feeling good. But round two. Is where we have at least uh, a little bit of uh, a discrepancy in the scorecards. Definitely, from my perspective, not something that makes no sense or anything. You know, I I, I totally see round two could go either way. But uh, where did you side?
1: I sided with Burgos. I thought it was a very competitive round, and I I think Burgos edged it by like the slightest of margins.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I think it was just the fact that he was finally able to get things going. It did, you know, he got off to such a like, kind of rough start with those leg kicks coming in from Barbosa, mm-hmm. um, and then didn't and seem at, to in bother him one, well. And then the second round, he like or in the later in the first round, I should say, Barbosa kind of really came on again with those kicks. But it, it was it was starting to slow down in round two.
1: Yeah, I don't think they they didn't seem to bother Burgos. Maybe he does a really good poker face.
0: I I to. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) look, if we don't think he has a good poker face after he was looking fine on his face and his body's kind of given (laughs) up, it's pretty darn good. Yeah. But yeah, I I thought this was a round that really could have gone either way. Um, The judges themselves, they saw this. It was Jacob Montavo uh, and Chris Lee. They saw it for Barboza. Sal D'Amato was uh, the dissenting judge here, saw it for Burgos, uh, just as you and I did. 10-9 Burgos. And you know what that means, Dan?
1: That's another couchside override.
0: Override goes to Sal, but again, it, I mean, we see this either way. That's totally fine, and you know, it was taken out of everybody's hands. Yep, I feel like I feel like probably if I was a judge, even if I was like a top judge who was very confident in myself, I would want every fight to end in the first round. Just it's more fun. I don't have to do as much.
1: Yeah, let the
0: fighters decide.
1: Take my opinion out of it.
0: Uh, yeah, well, it's not, I mean, it's opinion, but it's also like, you know, a, a trained skill, right? I mean, we've, we've heard my you know, Ben, ben Carlage talk about that as 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 a skill. These people work on this and it's it's really take you know, my it's expert, something to take a pride in.
1: Huh? Expert opinion out of it, uh,
0: I guess, if you want to
1: call it that. Um, but yeah, we can move
0: on, though. We've still got a few more rounds here. Uh, single rounds from most fights here. Christos Yagos in the opener of the evening, got the round two submission by Darst choke over Sean Soriano. But round one was a pretty darn eventful round. Uh, two judges saw it for Soriano, Patrick Patlin uh, and Robin Williams and the uh, not, not the actor, obviously the late actor rest in peace. Uh, and uh, Danny D'Alejandro Alejandro saw this one for Yagos. What do we think of the uh, Alejandro score for Yagos in this one? Yay or nay?
1: Uh, nay. Mm-hmm. I think this was just maybe a slight step up from Patlin round one in the um, yeah the other I, fight. I'm
0: kind of with you here. This is a very weird one. I don't like it. I mean, gee,
1: Soriano's hurting him like his...
0: routinely, and and we do have some big punches coming, especially early on from Miagos. He had that one that he landed that was c- pretty big.
1: Yes, he landed one early and maybe a couple decent ones throughout the round, but just about everything from Soriano is stronger, and he really thumped them a few times in that round. You notice Yago's legs; they're getting a little baby giraffeish
0: and much in a much higher volume too. So, like the fact that he's also landing effectively, but also more often. I, yeah, I think this is a really strong Soriano round to the point where, yeah, I, I would totally disagree completely with Danny Alejandro's assessment on this one. Uh, yep. It could come down to the vantage point. I mean, but I mean, shoot, how often are we missing strikes? If it's if your vantage point is that bad, there's a screen there. Look at the screen for
1: sure. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I, I don't, like it. I don't uh, like it at all. You um, them. It doesn't make any sense. It um, just doesn't. But fortunately, uh, that one didn't go to the judges either. Uh, round two is where we got the the sub a little bit of a comeback kind of from Yago's. Right.
1: Yeah, I called it a comeback, and <laughs> or, then... or at least in in Patlin and Williams and our minds. Right? I, I was shocked when I had to put this on the outline. Like, it was yeah, goodness, D- didn't like it. But hey.
0: another another of the uh, Houston-based judges, and again, these are these are judges that almost exclusively work in Houston or uh, Humble, which is essentially part of the Houston metropolitan area. Um, they they almost exclusively work here, and I hope we don't go back to Houston for a while.
1: Stay out of Texas.
0: <laughs> Period. Um, moving on, though, we have Caitlin Chukagin on the main card. Got a unanimous decision to 28 and a thirty twenty seven over Viani Arujo. Arujo, I should say. And uh, this was definitely one that a lot of people kind of thought Arujo won. Right? This was another one that got a lot of attention. It did. I I will say I don't think it's as bad as people made it out to be. But even though we only had one dissenting round, I think we're going to talk about two rounds. Right? Yeah. So let's start with the first. This is the actual dissenting round uh between judges. Two out of 3, Chris Lee and Jeff Rexrode, who was again also refereeing. Uh they both saw this for Araujo. Marcus Rosales saw this one for Chukagian. What did you see, sir? This
1: it was another really close round. I, I think this one can go either way. I went Araujo. I went Arujo because I I thought she was landing the more impactful strikes. Meanwhile, Caitlin was the more busy fighter, landing the more volume. Didn't think there was that much power behind her shots, and I ended up siding with Araujo.
0: There's frequently not a whole lot of power behind Chukagin's shots. She just doesn't put a whole lot of pepper behind them.
1: Even with 75K on the line, she was like, nope, I'm just going to point fight. That's
0: what hey, I'm going to do. She She's chasing the W. She, I, was she coming off a loss in the last one? It Was was her last fight the one against Jessica on Raj?
1: Uh Yeah, I'm pretty sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, you got to be- get back in the wind Colin. I kind of get it, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, you got to... Hey, it's gotten her this far. She <laughs> has honestly a very impressive resume. If you if you look at it, she's got right. a very very impressive resume and it's because she's fought like this and a lot of people can't stop it.
1: But it, it's weird because when she came up, she was a grappler. And it's like she uh, outside of the Antonina fight, she's kind of completely abandoned it.
0: Antonina Shevchenko, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I know. It's it's very weird, but we have what we have and uh yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think it's a close round. You can justify it either way. I did see it for Araujo. Um, just like you did. So we're, we're, we're in the majority here. I'll for, you know, the two of us with the other two judges, Marcos Rosales says on his own, but it makes sense. Round two. Everybody saw this one for Chukagian, right? This was a, a
1: unanimous for Chukagian for the judges.
0: But, and look, I'm not, uh, you don't want to sit there and be like, it should be a split decision. Like, like <laughs> Dominic Cruz, because that doesn't make sense. It's very possible that all three judges on this one said, man, close round, but I'm giving that one to Chukagian. The problem well, is, I don't think it's not. I don't think it's like a blowout or anything like that for Araujo. But I think there's a very strong argument to be made for her, as opposed to the argument you could make for Chukagin.
1: Well, I, I think the argument you make is was Araujo's grappling stronger than Chukagian striking because early Chukagin drops her with a front kick to the to the uh, body, mm-hmm. and then once it's on the ground. It's all Araujo. She moves to mount. She lands some pretty good shots to the body. She's attacking subs. Nothing was really that close, but she was effectively grappling. And But once it's back on the feet again, you know, towards the end of the round, Chikagian's the one that's landing. I just didn't think it was enough for me, but I understand why someone would, would go for her.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. But we did see, of course, uh, again, D- this was another one DC was very, very mad about. Um, and a lot of people really didn't understand why it should go to Chikagian here. Listen, I get it. I do get it. But I look if if it was me and my understanding of it, I I would think the the stronger argument is for Araujo here. But I do try to remember again we're amateurs. All three judges saw it one way. You gotta kind of trust it.
1: You're supposed to trust it. Yeah, I
0: will trust it. Okay. I will.
1: Okay, good. I will. But I mean, let, I, let's get decent. I don't, don't want to.
0: You know, I, look if if all of them did something that looked like the Patrick Patlin round one of uh of that fight we spoke about earlier it's, it's i would yeah i would start arguing but i i don't want to go crazy on that I, I just i see i feel strongly about it one way but it didn't go that way and and that's happened before because i you know i haven't trained you will be maybe one day i i would love to take the class one day um i don't think i'll ever pursue a career as a judge i honestly if i'm being honest with you i'm not sure i would make a great judge why well because it's one thing to be able to do what we do, which is we sit here in our homes and we watch these fights. And then we sometimes we get the chance to go back and rewatch them again without any distractions in our lives. I, you know, I, I have attention deficit disorder. It's something that's been you know, a challenge for me in my life. I think I've mastered it as well as I can without any uh, sort of medicated help or anything like that anymore. Uh, neither when I was a kid. But I think it would be really hard for me to be able to sit there and be a world-class judge who's trying to decide who is going to get a win or a loss um, because there's just times where even when I'm trying my damnedest to pay attention it's kind of hard All and right. I wouldn't want that I, I wouldn't want to be the guy but you give me a chance to watch it my home a few times yeah I'll get it down absolutely
1: All right.
0: and most of the time I think I can but I again it's different when there's no pressure involved Well, also I don't think the pay is very good well there's that um, that's <laughs> certainly not enticing but no I I just have to be honest with myself. I, there's some people who are not cut out to do this job, and I think maybe I might be one of them. But I really appreciate it, and I like talking about it, and and I like spreading the information that we do on this show. I would like to
1: be the clacker guy just because that looks fun. You
0: want to be the timekeeper?
1: Well, I just want to use the clacker. I don't really care about keeping the time. But, I mean, I think they're one and the same. Right, but I'll, I'll be the timekeeper's assistant to do the clacker.
0: So you don't actually want to look at a clock. You just want to be told, hey, hit it.
1: Well, no, I'll look at it when it's 10 seconds, and I'll be like, bye bam, But I don't want to be like, you know, when the ref pauses the action, I got to stop the clock. I don't want to do that.
0: I think you should aim higher, sir.
1: I just want to be the clobber. All right, Fair enough.
0: But anyway, we, do, we have two more fights, actually, to get to. I think, you know, we've kind of been BSing here a little bit. Let's get, let's get through these, because uh, they're actually kind of low-stakes uh, low, low stakes rounds as far as what actually happens in these fights. Rogerio bonzarine got the unanimous 30-27 twice and a 29-28 over Matt Schnell. Round one is where we have some disagreement here. Uh Sal and Joshua Joshua Ferraro. They saw this as a Bontarine round. Danny D'Alejandro, uh again our, our judge from before with this soriano uh Yagos fight, he gave this one to Schnell. Uh is is this crazy or no?
1: Which round was this? Oh, round
0: one of uh Bontarine Schnell. Oh yeah.
1: No, I, I went Bontarine. Yeah, I
0: did too. I don't think it's crazy to go the other way. This is this is a very, very close yeah, round. I thought At he FY kept it. weight, which is another weight class where we don't see a whole lot of separation in terms of uh, you know, striking battles between these guys, you know,
1: yeah. Schnell, Schnell kept it competitive, kept it close. I think
0: Monterey ended up landing the more uh, impactful strikes, the more immediately impactful strikes, and that's kind of why I sided with him. But I have no problem with it being a Schnell round,
1: yeah. I I, I thought he had the good leg kicks, good combos, but and know.
0: ultimately it didn't matter because this was the only round that was was uh, a split. It was round one, so obviously there's some stakes involved, but um, ultimately it didn't matter. Monterey took over.
1: Well, at least at least Schnell was wary of or at least trusting of the judges scoring properly because he heard a 30 27 and he was like oh that's it it's not me <laughs> so <laughs> yeah oh well, hey you never know truly don't know
0: <laughs> we, we learned that uh and then the last fight uh was also on the prelims here tucker lutz uh he got the unanimous nod over kevin aguilar 29 28 times two and a 30 27 it was round three that was split two out of three for Aguilar who was down on the cards. Danny DeHala, Danny De Alejandro and Marcos Rosales saw it for Aguilar and Joshua Ferraro saw this one for Lutz. Um, what do you think of this round? Curious. Well,
1: when I originally watched it, I was not paying attention ah. uh, because I was putting in my order for food because it's fight night. We're ordering some food. Sure. And, uh, I ended up having to order during this round, and I, I thought Lutz won originally, oh. uh, but I rewatched it just, just in case to have some notes on it, and I, I think Aguilar wins. I think it's kind of clear, but close. thought Lutz, Lutz kept it competitive, but he didn't really ever surpass Aguilar, in terms of impact, at least.
0: You know, it's funny. Most judges, uh, actually, they put in their order in the third round of fights, too, so oh, sometimes nice. they miss. Yeah. Nice. No! Can't do that, Dan! <laughs> I
1: was like, oh, I gotta order food. It's time to do it now.
0: Well, obviously, no wonder you, you messed up the score. You dropped the it, ball. It
1: happened, uh, but I wasn't being paid to score to fights.
0: <laughs> uh, of course, of course. Uh, but yeah, I thought this was an Aguilar round. I thought it was um, close enough, but also I feel really good about an Aguilar score here. So not, not terrible from Ferraro, but also I, I think Aguilar really deserved it didn't matter he he was supposed to finish the fight if he wanted to win he was down he had to finish yes let's have let fought a great
1: fight until the the final round when Aguilar actually started putting some pressure on him
0: I really liked though uh when I watched when we were watching this fight uh when I watched it back because I actually didn't really get to pay attention live uh was the corner advice that Kevin Aguilar's cornerman gave him before round three quote Kevin, you got to beat his ass man
1: all right I like that that's when you're fighting someone that's the goal
0: but I mean First off, it was delivered in such a way that like lit zero fire. It was like a, it was like an exasperated. Come on, why aren't you beating his ass?
1: Come on, well he's trying. Do something. It's that's,
0: just not working. That, Maybe give
1: him some advice. That was like the UFC 111 uh, In my section were some fans from England rooting on Dan Hardy versus GSP, and it was the fifth round, and they were just defeated, but they were having a great time, and they're like, "For Christ's sake, Dan, do something." <laughs>
0: <laughs> I remember that story. I like when you
1: throw In, that one. That, that, that actually like it that.
0: reminds me more of uh I'm a big fan of the comedian Jim Gaffigan, right? Mm-hmm. And he he does a little bit on one of his uh his uh He's you know, great little, on that little specials or whatever. It's about you know what what a bowling coach would do, right? Okay. Like what is a bowling coach supposed to be doing? So he's like, You know what this time, Timmy? <laughs> I want you to knock down all the pins. <laughs> you sure coach? Trust me, Timmy do it (laughs) it's just just do it son like (laughs) obvious no no duh anyway nonetheless we're all on the uh uh, on the aguilar side here and and uh, it didn't matter because he lost so moving on that is it for our contested rounds from ufc 262 honestly i don't think it was as disastrous as it could have been because we didn't have anybody leaving with a win that Felt, you know, I hate to use the R word and I'm not going to use it, but the, a, a win that really ought to have been a much more clear decision for another fighter. I, I think everybody who really won the fight won the fight and came home winners.
1: People who were supposed to win, win.
0: Yeah, exactly. So. Thank you. you. See, I'm not a speaker, I'm a writer, sir. I sit there <laughs> and I pour over my words before I put them on the page. Okay. Yeah. Did
1: you pour over this word here under the no. finishes?
0: No. I knew exactly what it was. It it was so easy. This finish, the best finish, most definitely the best fight of the night. Edson Barboza. We already discussed it. Shane Burgos just his body couldn't give up on him, or couldn't couldn't do it anymore. The man's a warrior, but ultimately it just didn't go the way. And it was it was just a, it was amazing highlight reel type of thing for Barboza here because like you you just. To see his opponent kind of just back up like that and just kind of collapse while he's like watching it happening almost in horror.
1: Yeah, it was it was scary watching it. It was like oh my god.
0: It was a little scary watching it. Although you want something that was really scary. This was not my favorite finish, and the reason I'll say so is because I am a a supporter of Jacare. I've enjoyed watching him fight over the years. So to watch him get his arm cracked, audibly cracked by Andre Muniz, who is a fantastic prospect in the sport. I'm very interested to see what he can do. But I mean, gosh, the noise that they because they played that back for us at home, and when they played the noise back, and I heard it, I didn't. I didn't have such a visceral reaction watching several times the Chris Weidman leg break as I did when I heard the break of the arm. I had the opposite. In this one, opposite. I can watch.
1: That's fine. I could watch that. Like, oh wow, he broke his arm. That sucks. But the, it's, the it's more the noise thing.
0: that did it for me, though. Oh, uh,
1: yeah, you know, I didn't mind the noise. The crazy thing is Jack Ray didn't even tap.
0: No, he didn't. And he was totally fine after because it, he, he's a freaking the, monster.
1: The ref was like fights over and Jack Ray's like, oh, oh, OK. All
0: but right. they
1: alluded to like this happened before uh, in a grappling match between yeah, Jack Ray and Hajar Gracie. Mm-hmm. Broke his arm. Tucked it into his, his and shorts. Tucked and it into his, into his belt. And then won. And right? ended up winning. It's like maybe we should have let him go on. Legend.
0: He's a warrior.
1: That yeah, that's. I mean, yeah. That was a sick finish, though. From Muniz to get to win with an armbar, even though Jocare it was so brutal.
0: And they were. It was funny because, like, even throughout the the brief fight, it wasn't a very long fight. It only went into. You now It was ended before the first round was over. Uh, they were talking on the broadcast. That I mean, Muniz is like, I'm gonna, I'm better jujitsu. I'm gonna show it. And and everyone's like, Yeah, okay. And then he. <laughs> Did exactly that. It's like, okay, guy. I mean, if he says, Oh, I'm I'm definitely gonna win the lottery tomorrow, I'll be like, all right, let me buy you the ticket we can split it. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: but yeah, those I mean it was we had seven finishes overall. Um, you know, four four uh my KO tko we already spoke about, you know, one of each. Uh well, there was uh excuse me, I should say there was three subs we spoke about one of each. Uh what was your favorite, sir?
1: The seventy-five K sub of Christos Yagos. Mm-hmm. Dar's choke and a comeback win. I'm going to say that was a comeback win. It was a comeback win. He was like, just like we said, very opportune. Somehow it, Soriano ended up on his back and not in a good spot. Sunks in the, the Darce choke and night night. It was a, honestly,
0: if it wasn't for things like that weird scorecard, uh, you know, some strange judging kind of cropping up here and there. Um, and then also, you know, I think there was there was a lull on the main card. This was overall a pretty solid event. Action wise, yes,
1: yep, it was a good, it was, it was just fun. And you had, um, what was her name? Uh, beating Antonia Shevchenko with that nasty armbar. Minotazani? No, 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 no. Uh, Andrea Lee. That...
0: Oh, Andrea Lee. Yeah, she was totally energized by, uh, by the Texas crowd. That
1: armbar looks scary. Wearing her cowboy too.
0: hat like she always does, and and like and totally like letting the crowd
1: eat it up. Right. Mm-hmm. I was waiting for Antonina's arm to snap too, because that was very gross. That was pretty tough. Yeah, that was a tough one to watch, but it didn't go that far. <laughs> yeah, thankfully.
0: All right, that's it for us. We made it out of Texas. We will not have to go back for a while. Next week, we've got
1: another card coming back to the Apex. Back in and the Apex. Bellator too. Sounds like we're going to be at the Apex to the end of the year, at least, for Fight Nights.
0: Ah, who knows? They could change it at any
1: point. Yeah. And we got Bellator, as you said. Yeah. Chris uh,
0: Cyborg. A little bit to break out. We'll we'll break down something. uh, We'll we'll have another uh, past judgment for you this week, I'm sure.
1: Past judgment, split headaches. We'll figure it out. Thanks for listening. All right. Take care, everybody. Have a good week.